At Idea Public Schools, we're more than K-12 schools that are open to all students. We're dreamers. We're scholars. We're creators. We're leaders. We're the future. And our success starts now. Apply to attend Idea Public Schools for the 2022-2023 school year by visiting ideapublicschools.org slash apply. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, hello there and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. Delighted to have you on board, and we've got a really interesting program to bring you in just a couple of moments. But first, my name is Ron Aaron, and I want to introduce our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol's executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She's past chair of the board of directors of the National Council on Aging. Carol's a member of the Ray's Family Caregiving Advisory Council under the federal government, Department of Health and Human Services, and they just issued their comprehensive report to Congress. She has a master's degree in social gerontology, and nearly 30 years' experience in the field of aging and caregiving, and we're delighted to have her on board as well. She's Next Avenue's top 50 influencer on aging, uh, and that is a neat distinction. So, Carol, it's great to see you, and thanks for being here. Yeah, it's always good to be here with you, um, and and I'm excited about our guest today. You know, I've heard such great things, and we're you're gonna we're gonna be talking to Donna Thompson in just a few minutes. Well, indeed, Donna Thompson is a caregiver, an author, and an advocate. Her experience was shaped by caring for her son, who has cerebral palsy and is medically complex, and for her mother, who died in 2018 after living with dementia to the age of 96. Donna is the co-author with Dr. Zachary White of The Unexpected Journey of Caregiving, The Transformation of Loved One to Caregiver. She's also author of The Four Walls of My Freedom, Lessons I've Learned from a Life of Caregiving. She's a co-designer and co-instructor of the Family Engagement in Research course and the facilitator of the Caregiving Essentials course, both at McMaster University and recently has been involved in a a project involving caregivers and PTSD. So, Donna, you keep pretty busy. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you so much, Ron and Carol. It's really fantastic to be here with you today. Well, what is it you mentioned in, in your bio that uh, your son has cerebral palsy, which uh, required you to become, uh, I gather, his full-time caregiver. Uh, tell us how that experience began and what that's been like. Well, you know, I think, first of all, I want to say that many, many people who are caring for aging parents are also caring for other members of their family as well. And that was um, our family experience. We were caring for lots of different people. And my own caregiving journey really started when my father had his first stroke and I was a teenager. Um, and my dad lived with us for two years um, with limited mobility and um, a loss of his speech. Uh, and then he died after his third stroke. And then in 1988, our son Nicholas was born uh, with severe disabilities and lots of medical Uh, challenges that went along with his disability. So um, I became, yes, I became his full-time caregiver. And then 
as my mom started to age, my sister and I noticed that she was showing signs of dementia. Um, and so there were lots of challenges along the way. And, you know, one might think that after caring for multiple people in your life, that you'd sort of go into dementia caregiving and it would be a bit of a breeze, but it was similar in some ways, but really, really different and very challenging in, in other ways. My mother was extremely stubborn and she didn't have great insight into the risks that she was taking. So. Wow. So you you have been a, what we call the serial caregiver. Right. Um, and I'm always amazed at people who over the course of a life have many, many years of caregiving experience um, and are still willing to talk about it positively uh, to other people uh, and, and to help other caregivers. Oh, you know, I, most people who are serial caregivers um, that I know are so generous because I think the thing we share is this urge to make it easier. You know, it just shouldn't be that hard. We shouldn't have to learn from our mistakes. And we want to um, kind of uh, take the lessons that we've learned um, along the way and present them to other people as options uh, to ease the burden of care. Now, as you describe what you were going through, uh, very often that has a direct impact on marriages. How did your husband cope with the challenges you both were facing? Well, that's a very interesting question. You know, um, my husband and I, I think, made a really great team. And it's because, um, you know, I've you don't really know what you're doing in the thick of it, right? But... Um, but having now sort of the, the 2020 um, perspective on hindsight, I think we naturally fell into separate roles. And my husband um, was in, in charge of playing with the children. Um, and I was more in charge of the medical side. And obviously, you know, he had to work. Someone had to keep our boat afloat. And he, um, we, we needed him to be able to work. Um, so we had a division of labor in a way that evolved over time and it worked for us. And we were able to stay together, um, happily married for 43 years now. <laughs> well, congratulations. Now, for those of you who just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, talking with Donna Thompson, She's a caregiver, an author, an advocate, and we're talking about uh, the kind of work she has been doing, including finding hidden community resources in the context of COVID, which we have not talked about as yet. Uh, that had to uh, certainly slam into your family as it did everybody else's family. Yeah, that's for sure. It's been um, it it's been really weird. I I, I think it's been very. Uh, otherworldly for for most other caregivers I know. We live in a climate of fear. Um, the people we look after are very vulnerable to this virus. And so we have to evaluate the risks and um, to, to the people we love and to ourselves, God forbid, that we shouldn't be able to look after 
our loved ones anymore because we get sick with COVID. So we don't want that to happen. But every time I go out of the house, um, I evaluate is how safe is this going to be? Which mask do I need? Um, Certainly, um, we are very, very careful because of our son. And he has 24-hour one-to-one nursing care now where he lives in a medical group home. But you know, if if the virus got into that home, um, it would be catastrophic. So we are extremely careful. And uh, we, our family understands that, luckily. Uh, and I think we do tons of research into the circumstances of the community where we live, and what it, what's safe and what's not safe. So we need to be researching uh, these elements all the time. And one of the things that I felt strongly about at the beginning of the pandemic for caregivers was that there were no free training tools in how to keep our loved ones safe. And everything that I looked up online uh, in terms of how to properly put on personal protective equipment and things like that, Those resources were only for healthcare professionals. And we know that families give the vast majority of care in North America. And we were without training and resources of how to deal with keeping the virus outside of home. And um, so we created a free online course in infection prevention and control for caregivers at McMaster University. And um, it's called IPAC for Family Caregivers. And, um, and it takes about 10 hours, I guess, to complete. And you can download a certificate of completion after. But it, it, it describes the chain of transmission and how to keep your family members safe uh, from infection. So from the beginning, I think about how the science has evolved and the recommendations have changed over the last two years. Have you had to go back in and edit some of that training? Yes. And we need to do it again because now we know that COVID is airborne. And so we need to put in information about HEPA filters and things like that. Um, So, and we need to, we now know that cloth masks are not recommended and that, you know, um, N95s are what you really are the optimal. So we, we do need to go back in and, um, edit some of the material because it was definitely a course that was made early on in the pandemic when we thought there was spread with droplets. So you had to self-educate and become so knowledgeable in a field then I suspect you've not been involved in before. Uh, that's true. But as a, as a full-time family caregiver of somebody who is medically complex, and we ran a home ICU for our son for 23 years. So wow. a lot of times, well, when he is in the hospital, you know, people will say, oh, you must be a medical professional. <laughs> and I'll say, well, no, I'm just a professional in my son's care. But we did have uh, nurse educators um, as key resources to for the curriculum development in the in the infection prevention and control course. So I wouldn't dream to be an official resource uh, 
as far as, as, as that goes. But I do know a lot about <laughs> sterile things and things of that nature. That well, brings up a point. And Carol, I was going to toss it to you because so many caregivers ending up, end up doing medical procedures that they never thought they'd have to do and that the medical community didn't realize at first that they would be doing. Right. And we've even been told by medical professionals that we, we wouldn't ask a caregiver to do that. Well, somebody's asking the caregivers to do that <laughs> because too many of us are doing the medical tasks. You bet. Well, well you mentioned you, you mentioned how difficult COVID has been, um, you know, how isolated we have to make ourselves to keep our loved ones safe. So when we come back from the break, um, I would be interested in hearing about your post-traumatic stress research and what you've learned. That coming your way on Caregiver SOS on Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernan, and our guest, Donna Thompson, caregiver, author, and advocate. And we'll tell you where you can get a hold of her information and her books. Thanks for joining us on Caregiver SOS on Air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. We're so pleased you were sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. And we're talking on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline with Donna Thompson. She's a caregiver, an author, and an advocate, and is involved in an interesting project. We'll get to that after a moment. But Carol had tossed a, a question your way, Donna, right before we took a little break. Well, yeah, I, I, let me toss it again, because, um, you know, Donna has done some work in PTSD, re, research around PTSD and caregiving, and we think a lot about trauma these days because we're all traumatized. But what did your research show? Well, it was very interesting. It was a project that was directed toward parents of children with complex care needs who self-identified as having symptoms of PTSD, or they had a formal diagnosis. And the, the project was investigating how trained coaches under the supervision of psychologists and psychiatrists could deliver uh, an intervention to really treat PTSD uh, virtually using Zoom. And so there were um, 12 90-minute sessions with coaches, and it was uh, a type of treatment called ENET, but it was um, narrative exposure therapy. So in a nutshell, what I learned about trauma was that trauma is cumulative, and it has a building block effect. So when I became a partner, a patient or family caregiver partner on this research study, I went in having had a lot of traumatic events and life near death experiences with our son, traumatic events at home with my father and, and with my mother. Um, and so 
I thought that being so experienced in trauma that it should, I should get better at managing it. I should really, by this time in my life, I'm 66, it really should just roll off my, my shoulders, you know, when my son has a medical crisis like he did last week. But I learned that no, because of the way our memory works with these very traumatic events where we nearly sort of lose somebody we really love, that these events get mixed up in our memory. And it doesn't take much. It could take a smell, or it could take a particular sound. It could take a very small thing to make you feel as though you're in the midst of that crisis all over again. And um, so this has happened to me. And I have had such a, a, a great opportunity to reflect on the way that I respond now to these crises. And sometimes it'll be a small thing or that somebody else might consider a small thing. And I'm, you know, oh my gosh, I feel like somebody's in terrible danger. And so now I, I understand the way this works. So it's been a great gift to me uh, to be a partner on this um, on this study and our paper has been published and um, it's, and I've presented this study along with the, the uh, researchers and the principal investigator um, a number of times, including to gerontology training, because we think it's very generalizable to um, caregivers of uh, older people too. And we're hoping that it will become um if not the standard of care, it's going to be available to caregivers who need it. We really hope so. I think that's great that, you know, you uh, are creating uh, an action, uh, you know, an actionable course around the, the topic of trauma, because a lot of us don't realize that we've been traumatized, no, that we carry trauma from youth, and then these things happen to us along the way. And we think that's something that happens to soldiers in the military, and we don't, yeah. you know, are crime victims. We don't associate it with caregiving. No. And the number, we did a big survey, and the number of people who had unwanted sexual advances, the number of people who had been in a car accident, or experienced the death of a parent, or witnessed some awful, you know, event in the life of their child. Some, it's so common. And we don't realize that when you get a diagnosis of some, anyone in your family, that you're bringing all of those previous experiences with you to right. that. And that just makes caregiving so much harder. Well, as you're talking, you're, you're making me think about uh, one, part of the title of one of your books, we talk about the transformation of a loved one to a caregiver. And just thinking about that word transformation, what, you know, what, what caused you to, to call the book uh, a transformation? What does that mean to you? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so my co-author, Dr. Zachary White, is a, um, he's a professor of care communications at Queens University in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he and I began to talk about, um, at first we began to talk about how we had changed because he cared for his mother who had brain cancer. And we talked about the fact that now we have caregiver as our principal identity 
in our life. And that we no longer can ever hope to go back to the person that we were before caregiving began. And um, that that's okay. But we were very interested in what has changed exactly. And that's really um, what our book is about. We went in, we sort of did a deep dive into the values shift. We don't care anymore about a nicer car or, you know, things that people care about or that maybe we used to care about um, because really our values have shifted significantly and we have uh, less tolerance for small talk and for things that seem frivolous. We feel most comfortable around other caregivers. And uh, so many of these things, I think people may not actually notice. You you just begin to feel more and more um, a fish out of water the more you give care, um, particularly if you're isolated. Have um, you become a different person? Yeah, I think so. I mean, all of us will keep some essential parts of ourselves, of course, throughout um, a life of caring, but many things change. Principally, our relationships in the family change. And so um, our, particularly in the context of Alzheimer's and dementia, I mean, you, you know, you you were somebody before the disease to that person and they were somebody to you and then that changes with the effects and the progressive losses in um you know in alzheimer's and dementia or other progressive diseases so our roles change because they have to um but of course we change with that yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I was, I was looking at a, my mother passed from Alzheimer's and I was looking at a picture of her that popped up on my phone that was years before she, you know, had the Alzheimer's. Yeah. And sometimes I forget what she was like, you know, my oh. memory is still hanging oh. on to those last years. Oh. And I look at those pictures and I think, wow, that's right. She used to do yeah. this or she used to do that. And it's nice that it's coming back. Um, but some of that gets yeah. buried because you're so in the moment of just dealing with the dementia. Wow. I have to ask you, Carol, do you hear your old mom's voice ever in your head? Um, I hear my mother, um, you know, always had these mantras. She was very spiritual. She always had these mantras. And that is what I hear most consistently because they, she said them all the time, even in dementia. She still remembered her classic lines. What would be an example? Um, uh, you know, she, she would always say, you, you know, you think positively positively. and she was one. I realized I'm the least positive thinker in the family. <laughs> she would totally, you know, totally believed in the power of positive thinking, you know, wow. and, and really bought into that. So she would say that to us all the time, just think and don't speak for what you don't want. That was her other favorite thing was by, you know, those things that we're afraid of, you call them to you. If you, you call those things to you, um, you have to let go of your fears. Otherwise you're just going to invite them in. That's what she believed. What about you, Donna? Do you hear your mother's voice? Yes. My, my mom's voice did not change so much when she had dementia. She, she just, she, and you could have 
kind of a conversation with her in the moment. You could talk about what you're looking at out the window type of thing. Um, and she was very funny. I mean, you know, my mother was a character and she smoked, she drank right <laughs> up until the day she died and cracked jokes all the way through. And she'd say things like, oh, did I tell you about the time that Bernie Schwartz was walking his pet duck down Main Street? Like, this is a memory. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. When are we talking about this, mom? And she said, well, I guess I would have been about 11. So I said, mommy, you are talking, you're telling me a memory that is 87 years old. (laughs) (laughs) And I would just crack up and and she'd laugh. She'd say, oh, yeah, I guess you don't remember that. (laughs) Bernie Bernie Schwartz and the duck, who could forget? (laughs) She says it's like it's normal. Now, before we run out of time, uh, for folks who want to get a hold of your books, how do they do that? Well, um, the... Unexpected Journey of Caring and the Four Walls of My Freedom are available at all online booksellers and at all libraries and some walk-in bookstores as well. And do you have a website folks can go to? I do. And the website uh, includes my blog and both are called The Caregiver's Living Room and it's www.donnathompson.com and there's no P in Thompson. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. I thought it was a typo at first, but I went through the internet and it's not a typo. No, it's the Scott, it's the Scottish version of Thompson. <laughs> well, Donna Thompson, without a P, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great. Caregiver, author, advocate. Go to Donna Thompson without a P.com. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS on air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. With Superior Health Plan, I know my family's covered. Superior offers Medicaid and CHIP plans, a large provider network, and extra benefits like vision, dental, and programs for pregnant and new moms. Plus, easy ways for us to get the care we need, including medical advice anytime with telehealth. Quality care with valuable benefits at no cost. It's all part of my plan. Visit SuperiorHealthPlan.com discover to learn more today. Restrictions and limitations may apply.